0: This is the Bible Book Club, and we're in the book of Numbers. Welcome, Welcome
1: to the club! When last we left you in the Bible Book Club, in chapters 15 and 16, we were discussing a few more laws. But don't worry, we're not going back to Leviticus in law school. We're still in Numbers, taking the census, just learning more about Moses. And Moses, unfortunately, is facing more mutiny. Korah, one of the Levites, wanted a chance at the priesthood. So, stirred up about 250 men, basically created a riot, including Dathan, Abiram, and the Reubenites. Korah, Dathan, and Abiram then get swallowed alive. It's not a good thing and with their family. And with the with True. their families, it made me sad. And then the two hundred and fifty take part in a sacred censor test, and they're burned to death. So, moral of the story is: don't oppose Moses no, or anything or else that the Lord. Yes. ordained. Then on top of that, the people start grumbling against Moses as if that wasn't enough. They start grumbling against Moses and Aaron, blaming them for the deaths. God sends a plague. Only Aaron can stop it, which he does. In each case, God was confirming Aaron as his choice for high priest. All right. As Heather
0: just said, in chapter 16, God defended Aaron against Korah and his followers, When they challenged the priesthood. Now, chapter 17 is directly linked to chapter 16, as it is the third and final time God is going to verify Aaron as his choice. For priest. I know some of you can relate because we have to verify ourselves on websites multiple times. And with the Israelites, it's no different. We need another verification that this is God's man. This time, God is going to give the people a visible reminder, one they can keep so that they will never forget. The timing of this was critical as Aaron is aging And without a God-given reminder that his family is the one to be the priesthood, it was likely that the Israelites would forget and challenge his son or his grandson in the future for the priesthood after his death.
1: This is the test of the budding staff. Chapter 17. The Lord said to Moses, "Speak to the Israelites and get 12 staffs from them, one from the leader of each of their ancestral tribes. Write the name of each man on his staff. On the staff of Levi, write Aaron's name, for there must be one staff for the head of each ancestral tribe. Place them in the tent of meeting in front of the ark of the covenant law where I meet with you. The staff belonging to the man I choose will sprout, and I will rid myself of this constant grumbling against you by the Israelites so Moses spoke to the Israelites and their leaders and gave them 12 staffs one for the leader of each of their ancestral tribes and Aaron's staff was among them Moses placed the staffs before the Lord in the tent of the covenant law the test is simple but it's thorough god
0: asks for one staff from the leader of each tribe Everyone is included and covered in this test then because every tribe is represented. The staff test is very symbolic because the word for staff, metta, can also be used for tribe. So it's really like he's symbolically, Moses is laying the tribes before the Lord to choose from. The staffs are laid before the covenant law or the stone tablets located in the ark in the most holy place. So this is where God resides Over the most holy place between the cherubim, and God's going to do the choosing. All the tribes are given an equal chance before God. The one that sprouts will be God's choice, which is kind of superfluous because in everything that has happened, since they left Egypt, the Israelites should have learned by now that it really is God's choice always in everything. And you would have thought that the last two tests, remember this is the third, the test of the censors, the test with the with Korah would have already communicated that Aaron is their choice. But the Israelites seem to have a hard time remembering that, that everything that's happened to them is God's choice, as do we. We often move ahead with our plans plans without even thinking about God's plan. And God has been super clear about his plan here for them. Like we went through Leviticus. We read the plan. It was very detailed. We do the same. We move ahead and then invariably we get the consequences and God works his plan out another way. Take the Israelites as a case in point, an example for us. This generation came out of Egypt, which is so huge. They were brave enough. They did it. They came out. They followed Moses. But because of the rebellion, it's their kids, not them, who are going to get to be a part of the plan and actually go into the promised land. It is God's choice how he uses us and who he uses we need to just get on board instead of trying to drive the train.
1: Well, it's God's choice, but we all have a choice. We have a choice right. about whether or not we're going to do what He's calling us to do. Right. And sometimes that's easier to do than other times, but there's always a consequence for it. And the thing is, sometimes I think about this when we're in church and we're singing songs. So you have to really think sometimes about the lyrics of the songs that you're singing, because mm-hmm. some of it, it's like, God, here I am, use me, God, have my life. But do you really say mean that? It. Do you really mean that in your soul when you're singing those things because sometimes i mean i i'm guilty i can count on one hand the times in the last month that i've gone yeah god i know you told me to do that but that's kind of weird i don't really feel comfortable going and telling her that (laughs) or whatever the thing was that god told me to do and i go the opposite direction and i get a consequence from it i should have just done what god asked or in the case of the israelites
0: it, it was a consequence, but also they didn't get to part, be part of the plan anymore as right. far as getting to see the promised land, yeah. which is, would have really bothered me.
1: And that's the other thing, is that guess what? God wants to use you. He does. He wants to use you in so many ways. He has big plans for you. But if you don't step up, God's going to accomplish it anyway. Oh, He'll just use someone else. If you don't get on board, the train's going to keep going without you. So let it be you. Say yeah. yes. Yes. Say yes. All right. Continuing on in verse 8. The next day, Moses entered the tent and saw that Aaron staff which represented the tribe of Levi had not only sprouted but it had budded blossomed and produced almonds then Moses brought out all the staffs from the Lord's presence to all the Israelites They looked at them and each of the leaders took his own staff. The results are clear. Aaron's staff, a
0: dead stick, not only sprouted, but parts of it had also budded, blossomed, and produced almonds. Now, almond blossoms are white, which in scripture symbolizes purity and holiness which is exactly what the priesthood needed to be. So this was very symbolic. It wasn't random. The word blossom or cis is the same word that describes the golden diadem worn by Aaron on the front of the high priest's turban. Now, the almond nut was prized in the Israelite nation. Jacob sent almonds with his sons as a gift to Pharaoh back in Genesis in the Joseph story. And the cups of the golden lampstand in the tabernacle were shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms. You can listen to season two, Exodus 25, for that one. The Hebrew word for almond is derived from the verb watch or be awake. And remember, the golden Lambstand, the whole point of it being in the um, holy place is for it to burn all night in watchfulness. Jeremiah associated almonds with God watching, and that is exactly what the priests were to do. They were to watch over the people. Jeremiah 1 says this The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, You have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Could it be that God is sending a message in this almond budding staff? Is God saying, Look here, Israel, Aaron is my choice, and I am watching you to see if you will accept what I have chosen. See that my word is fulfilled." Aaron and his family are unequivocally God's choice. God has bestowed on this one family holiness, which we know is linked to life and fruitfulness. All of this is wrapped up. In in the symbolism of Aaron getting this budding staff, this blossom, this fruitful staff, God is saying to them, if you want to be, if you want me to dwell among you, if you want to be fruitful, if you want to be blessed, follow the priesthood. In Hebrews 7.23, we find that Jesus is that one high priest that gives life eternally, fruitfulness eternally. Jesus lives forever, it says. He has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens." The picture of Moses laying the staffs before the ark in the tabernacle is a strong reminder for us. Do we lay our opportunities before the Lord to see what He will do? What would He show us if we did, rather than pursuing our own plans? Would it become clear to us which opportunities will blossom and bear fruit? While some remain dead, a waste of our time.
1: Back to Numbers in verse 10. The Lord said to Moses, put back Aaron's staff in front of the Ark of the Covenant law to be kept as a sign to the rebellious. This will put an end to their grumbling against me so that they will not die. Moses did just as the Lord commanded him. Just like Moses always does, he, just he's, as the Lord Oh, well, him. He,
0: he always does, but not always. We're gonna <laughs> <laughs> That's coming. All right. The staff is that special reminder that they can visibly see, but it's... They can't really see it because now it's in front of the ark and they can't go in the most holy place. But it's in there and it, um, it's their reminder that that Aaron, this family, is God's choice for Israel. Aaron's name on the staff would limit the future choice of priest to his descendants only, because remember, we stick to families and tribes in Israel. Later, the staff will become one of only three things placed in the ark. And those three three things were the stone tablets, which were a reminder of God's holy standards and laws, the gold jar containing manna, a reminder of God's provision to them, and the staff, a reminder of God's provision vision for atonement through the priesthood.
1: And our provision, of course, is Jesus. Verse 12, the Israelites said to Moses, we will die. We are lost. We are all lost. Anyone who even comes near the tabernacle of the Lord will die. Are we all going to die? Okay, this sounds kind
0: of random, but it's really their response when it dawns on them after the whole Korah incident and the 250 dying than than this that oh it truly is Aaron and we challenged Aaron so now only Aaron can do anything and his family in in the tabernacle and we're going to die if we go anywhere near it so they just kind of finally realize the enormity and that's why they react like this um, their their reaction is kind of funny actually to me it's that typical fear and drama they're thoroughly traumatized that they will perish if they go near the tabernacle now there's they they're such a swinging pendulum to me. Mm-hmm. They're either rebelling or they're they're quaking in fear. There's no middle ground. God's response is not to the people or to Moses. He responds directly to Aaron this time. And he's going to allay their fears by challenging the rules of engagement. Going forward, the Levites will bear the responsibility for wrong in the tabernacle, and the priests will bear the responsibility of the priesthood. The people are going to be protected from dying near the tabernacle because the Levites will guard the tent and the priests will do the holy work. We've kind of covered that in past chapters, but in this case, he's specifically addressing the fact that if they touch anything, will they die like the two 250 men or something like that. But he already gave them those instructions not to go in there. But for whatever reason, he's got to say things three times to them. I don't know why.
1: Well, because they didn't have it all written down to study. So they needed to be reminded. Yeah. Just like we all do. Exactly. So in
0: this next chapter, God is going to detail anew the duties of the priests and Levites. He's preparing them to take over when Aaron passes the torch. So remember, they're always verbally teaching the next generation. As we read, you have to wonder. Why was this so important for us to know right now? Well, without it, so much of what the apostles say in the New Testament will not make sense to us. And that's why it's put in the Bible, not for them back then, but for us to understand, even as we transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. Understanding Israel's priesthood adds depth to our understanding of Jesus's priesthood. Hebrews is filled with these
1: references. So starting in chapter 18, here are the due for priests. The Lord said to Aaron, you and your sons and your family are to bear the responsibility for offenses connected with the sanctuary, and you and your sons alone are to bear the responsibility for offenses connected to the priesthood. First Aaron and his sons and only
0: those from Aaron's line are priests they are responsible for the purity of the tabernacle. They bear the burden and the people don't, which is a huge responsibility. If a person messes up and the tabernacle is exposed to impurity, it is the priests who bear the responsibility, not the people. This was an act of grace for the people who needed a way to atone for their sin and couldn't live in fear of having to go to the tabernacle to do it. For us, it is the same. Jesus is our gift of grace and he bears. the burden of our sin. Hebrews 4.14 says it like this, God does not want either the Israelites or us to feel like we cannot approach
1: the throne of grace because we can. All right, here are the duties for the Levites. Verse two, bring your fellow Levites from your ancestral tribe to join you and assist you when you and your sons minister before the 10 of the covenant law. They are to be responsible to you and are to perform all the duties of the tent, but they must not go near the furnishings of the sanctuary or the altar. Otherwise, both they and you will die. They are to join you and be responsible for the care of the tent of meeting, all the work at the tent, and no one else may come near where you are. So we've talked about the Levites and their job, and they were there to assist with the heavy
0: lifting, the housekeeping and moving of the tent. But in this case, he's saying that's going to protect the other people from having to do it because they would surely die they would mess up there but the priests are actually going to protect the levites from the holy things so the levites cannot touch the holy things only the priests can um or they would die because remember they're not priests in training, nor would they ever be. The Levites are never going to be priests
1: in training. That was one of my Bible benders was yeah. when you said all Levite, all priests are Levites, but not all Levites are priests. Correct. Correct. So the priests are going to protect
0: the Levites and the people, and the Levites are going to protect the people, and everybody's protected now. Nobody's going to die from coming near the tabernacle. Everybody's going to learn the rules and obey the rules so there's no more accidents. Yeah, because being a priest is a really big job. Exactly.
1: Okay, so here's a warning to Aaron. And the Levites. Verse 5. You are to be responsible for the care of the sanctuary and the altar, so that my wrath will not fall on the Israelites again. I myself have selected your fellow Levites from among the Israelites as a gift to you, dedicated to the Lord to do the work at the tent of meeting. But only you and your sons may serve as priests in connection with everything at the altar and inside the curtain. I am giving you the service of the priesthood as a gift." Anyone else who comes near the sanctuary is to be put to death. So there's going to be no more Cora challenges with this 250 people. Anyone
0: who challenges the priesthood and tries to do anything will die, period. The priesthood was a gift. It was an honor to, to the priests and Levites, and it was a gift to the people who would not have to bear such a burden. Because of their service to the tabernacle, people are then to give back in kind. They're to contribute
1: provisions for priests and Levites. Verse 8. Then the Lord said to Aaron, "'I myself have put you in charge of the offerings presented to me. All the holy offerings the Israelites give me, I give to you and your sons as your portion, your perpetual share. You are to have the part of the most holy offerings that is kept from the fire. From all the gifts they bring me as most holy offerings, whether grain or sin or guilt offerings, that part belongs to you and your sons. Eat it as something most holy. Every male shall eat it. You must regard it as holy. This also is yours.' Whatever is set aside from the gifts of all the wave offerings of the Israelites, I give this to you and your sons and your daughters as your perpetual share. Everyone in your household who is ceremonially clean may eat it. I give you all the finest olive oil and all the finest new wine and grain they give to the Lord as the first fruits of their harvest. All the land's first fruits that they bring to the Lord will be yours. Everyone in your household who is ceremonially clean may eat it.
0: The people will make offerings of food to the Lord in grain offerings, sin offerings, and guilt offerings. A portion of that holy food was for the priests, Levites, and their sons. The food offerings from the wave offering was for the priests and Levites' families. So they're provided for too. In the show notes, I'm going to put our offerings chart from Leviticus season three, and you can see. The kind of details of all these different offerings. We covered them there. We're just recovering it now in 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 the form of this was the tie. This is how the Levites were going to live uh in in re- and and be compensated for what they're going to do for their living, serve everybody else. This concept of giving to those who serve the Lord is also a New Testament principle. In 1 Corinthians 9 13, Paul says this Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple and that those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. The concept that God gets the best of the first, the first fruits, is also a concept that carries through to the New Testament. In time, talent, and resources, we should give our best and first to the church. We tend to want to give out of surplus rather than out of trust. And when we give the first and best to God, we're trusting that he will provide enough for our needs from what is left after we give. So this is just a concept that they always lived under. It became a law here.
1: And we've kind of forgotten that a little bit. We take for granted church, I think. We, the general population. Mm -hmm. Continuing on about the firstborn in verse 14, everything in Israel that is devoted To the Lord is yours. The first offering of every womb, both human and animal, that is offered to the Lord is yours. But you must redeem every firstborn son and every firstborn male of unclean animals. When they are a month old, you must redeem them at the redemption price set at five shekels of silver, according to the sanctuary shekel, which weighs twenty garas. But you must not redeem the firstborn of a cow, a sheep, or a goat. They are holy. Splash their blood against the altar and burn their fat as a food offering and aroma pleasing to the Lord. Their meat is to be yours, just as the breast of the wave offering and the right thigh are yours. Whatever is set aside from the holy offerings the Israelites present to the Lord, I give to you and your sons and daughters as your perpetual share. It is an everlasting covenant of salt before the Lord for both you and your offspring. The priests get the firstborn. We talked about this, gosh, what, three or four chapters ago,
0: or they get the dollar value of the firstborn. In the case of a firstborn child, the child was redeemed in dollars as the Levites were the firstborn replacements. Remember, the Levite people have to replace the other people. The firstborn was a perpetual reminder, whether it's an animal or a person, that birth and life were gifts from God and therefore belonged to God. Since Jesus was the firstborn of Mary, he had to be redeemed as
1: a child, and then he became the redeemer for all. Verse 20, the Lord said to Aaron, you will have no inheritance in their land, nor will you have any share among them. I am your share and your inheritance among the Israelites. This is a special
0: word to Aaron and to all future priests. Um, It was a granting of a special relationship with God he was to be their inheritance this concept is present in our promise as believers we have no promised land however we are heirs in Christ and therefore we have a special
1: relationship with God through the gift of the Holy Spirit now we talk about tithing verse 21. I give to the Levites all the tithes in Israel as their inheritance in return for the work they do while serving at the 10 of meeting. From now on, the Israelites must not go near the 10 of meeting, or they will bear the consequences of their sin and will die. It is the Levites who are to do the work at the 10 of meeting and bear the responsibility for any offenses they commit against it. This is a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. They will receive no inheritance among the Israelites. Instead, I give to the Levites as their inheritance the tithes that the Israelites present as an offering to the Lord that is why i said concerning them they will have no inheritance among the Israelites this is not the first we have read of tithes in genesis 14 abraham gave melchizedek
0: a tithe after his victory over the four kings and in genesis 28 jacob vowed to give god a tenth of everything god blessed him with This concept of tithing to the Levites is added here as a new lasting ordinance. Henceforth, a tithe will be required. The tithe to the Levites is payment for their services in the tent. It is a recognition of the dangers inherent of their occupation and therefore their protection of the people from such risk. And it is compensation for their lack of inheritance in the land. The Levites are going to be given forty eight villages scattered throughout the
1: land, but they're not given a lot of land for like farming and stuff. Verse 25. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Levites and say to them, When you receive from the Israelites the tithe I give you as your inheritance, you must present a tenth of that tithe as the Lord's offering. Your offering will be reckoned to you as a grain from the threshing floor or juice from the wine press. In this way, You will also present an offering to the Lord from all the tithes you receive from the Israelites. From these tithes, you must give the Lord's portion to Aaron the priest. You must present as the Lord's portion the best and holiest part of everything given to you. Say to the Levites, when you present the best part, it will be reckoned to you as the product of the threshing floor or the wine press. You and your households may eat the rest of it anywhere for it is your wages for your work at the tent of meeting. By presenting the best part of it you will not be guilty in this matter then you will not defile the holy offerings of the Israelites and you will not die the levites received a tithe
0: from the people but must also tithe out of what they receive it's a tithe from a tithe and from this we can conclude that no one is exempt from
1: tithing what's a club without friends